Welcome to my podcast, but it's no longer my podcast anymore. Today I'm joined by... Amy and Maisie. But Maisie's not in this podcast today. She'll be joining us in the next one. Sorry, Amy's a bit quiet. She's on a Google, but anyway. <laughs> Let's get into the podcast. Okay, so guys, these are some tips from me that I know that help you sleep. Okay, yep, yeah, this so, is the first segment. Okay, so this is one... If when you're ill or not feeling very well, so you should scrunch up in a ball and and it sometimes takes the pain away. And also get a hot water bottle, and it really helps. Yep. If you guys didn't hear that, Amy basically said if you're ill or sick, um, this is a great hack to get help you get sleep. Crawl up, like scrunch up into a ball that usually helps her, and grab a hot water bottle. I think that's what you said, right, Amy? Yep. And also, listen to some calming music like Lewis Capaldi cause, or someone like that because they do really calming music. I really recommend Christmas music as well. I'm sorry if you're a Jehovah Witness, I don't mean to offend you, or I'm sorry if I'm offending any other religion. But Christmas music for me is just really relaxing and really calming. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's my segment. Okay. And here's my tips and tricks. Most people say, oh, just count sheep. For some people, that helps. For others, it doesn't. Here's what I do. If you've heard of lucid dreaming, you may think this is a bit like lucid dreaming. It is a bit, but it's kind of not. So basically, I daydream, but I make the daydream how I want it to be. But why I'm in my bed? And then I end up just falling asleep to all these stories I make in my head. So basically, that's one thing I use. Also, try meditating before bed. That helps me. It doesn't help a lot of people, but some people it does generally help. Another trick I recommend, which is really good for getting you calm as well. You basically relax your shoulders, just relax your whole body. Put your tongue to the bottom of your mouth and breathe. So yeah, that really helps me. Amy, do you have any other tips? Um, well, yeah. So, when you go to sleep, it's always good to have a little light, a little bit of light in your room so you don't feel like you're so scared. Yeah. Some people get scared of the dark, and that's okay. So, if you do get scared of the dark, I recommend getting a little nightlight. I've got this one from Smiggle, which has, like, water in it and, um glitter and it changes colours and it all sprinkles up and down and stuff so I really recommend one of those or a lava lamp but they're hot so if you're younger and you know you're going to touch it or it's going to fall over jeez louise sorry I live near a train track guys and it comes back at the same time every and I live near an airport pardon? and I live near an airport so yeah I'm sorry about that guys anyway we're on to the next segment now. Amy, do you want to introduce it? What is the next segment? Reading time. Okay, so this book that we are going to be reading, well, that Ellie's going to be reading, is Matilda. Matilda by Roald Dahl. If you don't like the book, just um, DM me on my Instagram. I'll tell you what it is at the end of the podcast. Um, and I just recommend a book that you want me to read. I do have quite a lot of books, so I'm most likely I'm going to have it. 
basically every podcast I'll be reading 10 pages of the book until we're done but if someone doesn't like the book um, or finds it a bad book to do then obviously I'll change it so let's start with chapter one reader of the books it's a funny thing about mothers and fathers even with their own child is the most disgusting little blister you could ever imagine they still think that he or she is wonderful some parents go further. They become so blinded by the adoration they manage to convince themselves their child is quality of a genius. Well, there's nothing very wrong with all of this. It's the way of the world. It's only when the parents begin telling us the brilliance of their own revolting offspring then we start shouting, Bring us the bus in. We're going to be sick. School teachers suffer a great deal from having to listen to this sort of twaddle from proud parents, but they usually get their own back when time comes to the end of term reports. If I was a teacher, I could cook up some real scorchers for the children of doting parents. Your son Maximilian, I would write, is a total washout. I hope you have a family business you can push him into when he leaves school, because he sure as a heck won't get a job anywhere else. Or if I was feeling lyrical that day, I might write, It is a curious truth about grasshoppers. Have their hearing, Vanessa, hearing organs on the side of their abdomen. Your daughter Vanessa, judging by all she's learnt this term, has no hearing organs at all. I might even delve deeper into natural history and say, the periodical cinder spends six years as a grub underground, no more than six days as a free creature in the sunlight air. Your son Wilfred has spent six years as a grub in this school, and we are still waiting for him to emerge from the chrysalis. A particularly poisonous little girl might sting me into saying, Fiona has the same glacial beauty as an iceberg. But unlike an iceberg, she has an absolutely nothing below the surface. I think I might enjoy writing the end-term reports for stinkers in my class. But enough of the end of that. We have to get on. Occasionally, one of the cross parents who come take the opposite line, who show in- no interest in all of their children. Of course, these course are far worse than the doting ones. Mrs. and Wormwood are two such parents. They have a son called Michael and a daughter called Matilda. And their parents looked upon Matilda in a particular as nothing more than a scab. A scab is something you have to put up with until the time comes to pick it off and flick it away. Mrs. Miss, Mr. and Mrs. Warwood look forward to enormously the time they could pick their little daughter off and flip her away, preferably into the next country or even further than that. It's bad enough when parents treat ordinary becomes somehow a lot worse than the child. And the question is extraordinary, and by that I mean sensitive and brilliant. Matilda was both of these things. But above all that, she was brilliant. Her mind was so mim- nimble and she could quick learn her ability. She'd have obvious, even the half-witted of parents. But Mr and Mr Warmwood were so gormless and warped up in their own silly little lives they failed to notice anything unusual about their daughter. To tell the truth, I doubt obviously we noticed she'd crawl back into the house with a broken leg. Matilda's brother Michael was perfectly normal, boy. But her sister said it was something to make your eyes pop. By the age of one and a half, her speech was perfect, and she knew many words, as most as grown-ups. The parents, instead of applauding her, called her a nosy chatterbox, and told her sharply that small girls shouldn't be seen and not heard. By the time Matilda was three, Matilda taught herself to read, studying newspapers and magazines that lay around the house. At the age of four, she could read fast, and, well, she naturally began hankering after the books. The only book in the whole of this enlightened household was something called Easy Cooking, belonging to her mother, and she... She had read this from a cover to cover. She learned all the recipes by heart. She decided she wanted something more interesting. Daddy, she said, do you think you could buy me a book? A book, he said. What do you want a flaming book for? To read, Daddy. What's wrong with the telly, for heaven's sake? We've got a lovely telly with 12-inch screen, and now you want asking for a book. You're getting spoiled, my girl. 
Nearly every weekend afternoon, Matilda was left alone in the house. Her brother, five years older than her, went to school. Her father went to work, and her mother went out playing bingo in the town eight miles away. Mrs. Warmwood was hooked on bingo, and played it five afternoons on a week. On an afternoon of the day, when father refused to buy a book, Matilda set out all by herself to walk to the public library in the village. When she arrived, she introduced herself to the librarian, Mrs. Phelps. She asked if she could sit a while and read a book. Mrs. Phelps, slightly taken back at the arrival of such a tiny girl, accompanied by a parent, nevertheless told her she was very welcome. Were all of the children books, please? Miss Matilda asked. They're over there on the lower shelves, Miss Phelps told her. Would you like me to help find one with loads of pictures in it? No, thank you, Matilda said. I'm sure I can manage. From there on, every afternoon, as soon as her mother left for bingo, Matilda would toddle down to the library, walk only ten minutes as this allowed her to spend glorious hours sitting quietly by herself in a cosy corner devouring one book after another. When she'd read every single children's book in the place, she started wandering round to each search something else. Mrs Phelps, who had been waiting for, watching her with fascination for the past few weeks, now got up from her desk and went over to her. Can I help you, Matilda? she asked. I was wondering what to read next, Matilda said. I finished all the children's books. You mean you've looked at all the pictures? Yes, but I've read all the books as well. Miss Phelps looked down at Matilda from her great height and to look back right over. I thought some were very poor, Matilda said, but others were lovely. I liked the secret garden best of all. It was full of mystery. Mystery the room had behind the closed door and the mystery of the garden behind the big wall. Miss Phelps was stunned. Exactly how old are you, Matilda? she asked. Four years and three months, Matilda said. Mrs. Phelps was more stunned than ever. She had no sense to show it. What sort of book would you like to read next, Matilda? Um, she asked. Matilda said, I would like a really good one that grown-ups read. A famous one. I don't know any of the names. Miss Phelps looked along the shelves, taking her time. She didn't quite know what to bring out. How, she asked herself. Does one choose one famous grown-up for a, for a four-year-old? The first thought was pick a young teenage experience of that kind, written for a 15-year-old schoolgirls. With reason, she found herself walking past a particular shelf. Try this. It's very famous and very good. If it's too long for you, just let me know, and I'll find something shorter and a bit easier. Great expectations, Matilda read the book. Charles Dickens. I'd love to try it. I must be mad, Mrs. Phelps told herself, but Matilda said, Of course, you may try it. Over the next few months, Mrs. Phelps could hardly take her eyes off the small girl, sitting for an hour after hour in the big armchair, as the fat end of the room with the book on her lap. It was necessary the rest on her lap because it was too heavy for her to hold, which meant she had to sit leaning forward in order to read. And the strange sight is the tiny, dark-haired person sitting there with her feet, nowhere near touching the floor, totally absorbed in the wonderful adventures of Pip, and old Miss Hansham and her cobwebbed house in the spell of magic that Dickens, the great storyteller, had woven from his words. The only movement from the reader was the lifting of the hand every now and then to turn over the page. Mrs. Phelps always felt sad by the time it come across the floor and say, It's ten to five, Matilda. During the first week of Matilda's visit, Mrs. Phelps said to her, Does your mother walk you down here every day and then take you home? My, go- my mother goes to Aldbury every afternoon to play bingo, Matilda said. She doesn't know I come here. But that's surely not right, Mrs. Phelps says. I think you'd better ask her. I'd rather not, Matilda says. She doesn't encourage reading books, nor does my father. What do they expect you to do to av- every afternoon in this house? Just mooch around and watch telly. I see. She doesn't really care what I do, Matilda said a little sadly. Mrs Phelps was concerned about the child's safety. That's ten pages, guys. Okay, now back to um, any other tricks and tips we have. I think that's all for today's episode since it's getting 11 minutes long. 
If there's anything you recommend for us to put in our podcast, DM us on Instagram. The name will be The Easy Guide to Sleep Podcast by Ellie, Amy and Maisie. So I hope you enjoy and bye. Just know you are loved by, by people and you will always have a place in someone's heart and will always be very special to someone, even if you don't feel like it.